This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Monday and Friday live video cast on Twitch. And as always, you can catch us on YouTube or download the podcast over at iTunes. Today's the day. Today's the big day. Midnight tonight, 8th edition, Warhammer 40K will be released. The wait is finally over. Uh, I think it's actually technically tomorrow because it's 12.01. So, uh, yeah, it's not actually today. It's tomorrow. So the timekeeper Boom. is giving me a yellow card. Yeah, you're the gatekeeper. I'm the timekeeper. So today, together we form, we're two dogs, and then there's a lady that walks between us. And it's really all right, weird. I'm not looking for Gozer. Ah, there you go. That's what it is. All right, I'm looking for 8th <laughs> edition 40K. But thank you, uh, gatekeeper. So today is the last day you have to wait, and tomorrow you can finally get 8th edition, play, see what all the hype is about. I know a lot of you probably are already pretty familiar with the rules. You might have seen a sample book at your local friend the game store and given it a look-see. But you might have also joined us on our live games on Twitch, yeah. which we've been playing every night for the past two weeks. And it's been pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, it's awesome when I win, but not as awesome when you win. Uh, I think most of the chat would agree with me on that. Uh, most people that tune in would definitely agree. Um, there might be a couple stragglers that are rooting for you, but for the most part, I think people really enjoy it when I win. And mm-hmm. I enjoy it more too. Yeah, you weren't enjoying it last night. <laughs> no, at no, all. Was not. <laughs> well, that was uh, you were throwing some ice cubes. And if anybody wants to check out these games, they do pop up on YouTube. Mariana is doing her best to keep up with the pace and get those videos up on YouTube the next day. Some of them it does take a day or two, but you can always go watch the VOD on Twitch. Just click the videos tab, and you can see the previous videos. I think they store them for a couple weeks. Yeah, and then they uh, cycle out. But we do get them up on YouTube as fast as possible. And you'll be seeing quite a few of those games uh, pop up on YouTube today. And they're really good because we go, it's, it's, the game is played in real time. And if you can join us live, uh, we have another one, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time tonight. We're going to be playing Grey Knights versus Demons. According to our subscribers on Twitch, they get to vote for what we play in the next game. And that's going to be a lot of fun. But they take you through the game step by step, right? We, from the beginning, we open the book, roll a mission, roll deployment map, and then we play the game. Yep, and we get some things wrong. You guys call us. It's a learning experience for everybody. And then, of course, we answer questions when you guys ask them and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it has a lot of great information in it, and we really enjoy doing it, and we really enjoy all the people that are coming yeah. and watching. So thank you very much. And to all of you who have chosen to subscribe to our Twitch channel, we want to say thank you very much. It helps to pay for all the very ex- expensive equipment, the rent, uh, Mariana's salary, all that fun stuff. My hamburgers and milkshakes. and Oh, wait, no. That, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, we may occasionally buy some beer with that money. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, We really appreciate it. If you do decide you want to support us with your subscription, five bucks a month, or if you have Amazon Prime, you can subscribe to our channel for free. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. And uh, it's been pretty awesome to see how many people have chosen to support the stream in the last couple weeks. Yeah, no, it's been great. And we're going to keep the momentum going. Uh, Next week, we will be streaming every day also. And once we get kind of over the hump, with the hype of 8th Ed, we will start getting some Age of Sigmar in there too because mm-hmm. we also love that game and we have a lot of people here that play 
Uh, but right now, that's not what everybody wants to see. People want to see Eight Dead. Understandably. Yeah, totally understandably. <laughs> so uh, we have a couple brief news items, and then we're going to open it up, open forum for questions. Boom. Because I know that's what everybody's going to be asking, what they want to see. And a lot of you probably have the book at this point, uh, or you, you have access to the book at your FLGS. Uh, a couple news items, of course, get your tickets for the SoCal Open. That is going to be an absolutely awesome event at the end of October. The BAO continues to just be at max with a waiting list. Uh, also, pretty interesting, the uh, the notorious yak face, uh, John Regal, one of the owners of Daka Daka, he's on the 8th Ed hype train. He's actually talking about trying to come to the BAO. That guy has not played 40K in years. He used yeah. to be a really prominent figure in the community, the godfather of the INAT fact, which has morphed into the ITC FAQ. Um, pretty cool. I would really love to see him get back involved. But we've also been like tons of friends. Like one of the people that helped found Frontline Gaming, uh, two, actually two of the guys that helped start Frontline Gaming yeah. who haven't played the game in years, they're like going to get back involved. They're hitting us up for lists. Yeah, they're and foaming it, at the mouth. So. It's great. It's great. Like some of the guys that uh, that we, when we became, when we first became friends in our gaming group, they're coming out of the woodwork and they haven't played the game in like six years. Oh yeah, the guy that taught me how to play 40K is getting back into it. I'm like, all right, that's great. And but that, uh, I think a side note on Yak Face, um, he actually doesn't look anything like Sean Connery. And I was very <laughs> disappointed when I met him. I was like, oh man. Uh, and in case anybody doesn't know, that's his uh, his icon on uh, Doctor Doctor. Yeah, his avatar yeah. online is uh, is Yak is um, Sean Connery. Yak face, is, <laughs> it's like, but it's so funny because people meet him and they're like, "You don't look like Sean Connery." He's like, "Of course I don't." Yeah, he's like, "What did yeah. you expect?" Well, like Tasty Taste has that Japanese magician eating an apple. Yeah, and everyone's like, "You're not Japanese." He's like, "No, what?" It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just funny that people I associate. You'd look like a space marine. I know, like I a beige, you, right? a beige space marine. That is funny because somebody was trying to zing me online. They're like, well, you're not even a good painter. Look at your avatar, and I was like, I never. Said I was like, is that the best you got? It's oh. a pretty deep burn. I, I was like, I painted that like ten years ago, Man. and who cares? I need <laughs> like, some icy hot for that burn. I painted the first face reading in that army when I was in high school. That's how long I've been adding. Damn, to that. that was like, in case anybody doesn't know, that was like forty years ago. Woo. Not quite, but Man. thank you for that. Man. So at any rate, the the point we're driving at is that Eighth Edition has really gotten some people extremely excited, which is great. Yeah. Um, really amazing. Uh, make sure to grab your tickets to SoCal Open. The BAO, uh, the BAO is going to be full. Uh, you might be able to walk in. There's usually people that don't show up to the event, mm -hmm. so you might want to walk in. I know there's people actually flying from Hawaii yeah. in the hopes that they can walk into the BAO, and I'm sure they're going to do other stuff while they're in the Bay, visit family and friends and, and all that kind of stuff. But that's how popular that event has become. Really yep. exciting. And also we want to drop the hint or, or keep the, the put a bug in your ear, so to speak. The Las Vegas Open registration opens up next month. It opens Ooh. in July. So make sure to save a little bit of money for that because that event sells out really quick. Yeah, we sold out so fast last year. Yeah. Like, oh my God. The first day ticket sales went up, it was just like, holy moly. Yeah. So this year we are anticipating more of the same with the popularity of the edition. I anticipate that the Games Workshop games are just going to go bananas. So make sure to mark your calendar. Around mid July, we're shooting for the 15th, but. Uh, Mid-July, we will have registration open for the Las Vegas Open. And that's going to be crazy. I can't believe we're already there again. I know. I feel that like means we, we just got to start building it. some more terrain. Yay. Oh, yeah. That's always Terrain is always fun. And in 8th Everybody edition, loves it. you need a more lot. More terrain. 
You need a lot. You, and you need line of sight blocking terrain. Like, can't reiterate that yeah. enough. If you want fun games, you have to have line of sight blocking terrain. For a good example of that, make sure to watch the Tyranid game of <laughs> myself and Frankie where I played, that might have been one of the worst games of 40K I've ever played in my life. I mean, it, it wasn't any worse than most games that you play of <laughs> okay. 40K, but uh, yeah, no, it was. <laughs> it was a shooting gallery, and it was glorious. <laughs> well, uh, we, I think a couple things we showed in that game, and that's what we might as well talk about it since we're talking about eighth, is it shows how powerful uh, scions are, military yeah, tempestus, really top top tier army in my opinion. Even though there's not really tiers, what, we, that's an expression that I use to just show that's very powerful army. Yeah. We don't know what the meta is yet because there isn't a meta yet. But in our experience, they were all-stars. Um, and it shows that when you have a really dumb strategy with Tyranids, that they don't work when you have to play Hammer and Anvil against a shooting army. So if anybody missed it, you want to, might want to catch the VOD. But I, I, my whole plan was revolving around something you actually can't do. And I didn't realize it until I was already into the game. We should have just re-racked and then played nah. like a normal game. But then I was everything was out of position. And I started rolling bad dice, and it was just pretty much an ass-whipping. So... Uh, Tyranids are, are, are also really good, but yes. not when you play them like a dum-dum. Yeah, it turns out that if you uh, don't make the right choices with your army and leave some guys out in the open, they die. So, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. But so, uh, your plan was solid if it had worked. Yeah, if that rules interaction was actually possible, <laughs> it would have been amazing. So yes. at any rate, make sure to jump in and catch those games and make sure to join us tonight at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to see another fun game. Uh, the player that I'm playing in this one, Jason with his Grey Knights, he's only played one game of 8th edition. So this is going to be very much a learning experience. We're going to be slowly going through the rules. Uh, keep that in mind as you're watching the game. Yeah. This is not going to be like a tournament-style match where, uh, where Frankie and I play, where we still both make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like last night in our game, Night Lords versus Dark Angels, I forgot to do like two or three, th- two or three things. Thank and, goodness. Yeah. Well, it was still, the Night Lord still put the pimp hand down fiercely, but uh, I was still forgetting stuff. And that's because we're switching armies every night. It makes it hard to keep it all yeah. uh, straight. But uh, that just the point that I'm driving at is that 8th edition, give yourself some time because it's so much different than what you're used to. Yeah, and it looks very easy and like uh, not a lot of rules on top when you look at it. And you're like, oh, this is really simple. But when you dive into it, there's a lot of rules, a lot of tactics and stuff that go into it that makes it like such a great game. So yeah. like we said, definitely give it some time. It's easy to jump in, but uh, give it some time to actually like master it and figure out all the little tricks. Yeah, and a lot of it is, is model positioning. Like in a really good example last night, we were showing people um, how to avoid heroic intervention from a character behind a 25 millimeter base model. Now. Uh, just from what I just said, you can tell that we're really digging. That's really getting into the nitty gritty to the guts of becoming a good player at the game. And it, it that's what it takes, right? Yeah. Model positioning doesn't seem like it's as important in this edition because um, you choose, there's no directional casualties and there's no blast templates or flamers in the way that they used to operate. So you can be a little bit looser with your normal movement, which I like because it speeds the game up dramatically. But when it comes to the nitty-gritty of combat, it's just as precise as it ever was. I'd say it's almost more yeah. precise than it ever was just because of you can remove models and take guys out of combat yeah. now. You can pile into new units. It's uh, There's so much more depth. Yeah, and you really got to think two steps ahead. Like in the game we played last night, a really good example, um, I went in with a, with a Hellbrute. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I was using a Hellbrute, and he did really well. Killed Asriel, actually, although Frankie could not make a save. <laughs> um, I went in with a spawn Hellbrute. And uh, I, I can't remember, there was another 
really good melee unit. Um, spawn. Spawn. No, and there was a character I can't remember, but uh, Demon Prince. But oh yeah, the Demon Prince. The Demon Prince is brutal with the malefic claws. Yeah. And um, Frankie removed casualties in such a way that the Hellbrute and the Spawn could not attack. But he had heroically intervened with Azrael, so then Azrael went in unopposed and just started chopping people to bits. And that's because you can only hit units that you declare to charge against on the turn that you charge. Yeah. And since I had forgotten to declare Azrael as a as one of my targets for my charge, which you can declare everybody in 12 inches, you can declare as a target for your charge. Since he heroically intervened, even though that we were in base to base, I couldn't actually hit him. Yep. And if I would have just been thinking a little bit further down the road, I could have said, okay, Frankie's clearly going to heroically intervene, or he might heroically intervene. So it's, I should take the Overwatch from Azrael, even though it is scary, he's got a plasma gun. And just in case, because then maybe Frankie won't, heroically intervene because now he doesn't want to get punched by a hellbrute who's pretty damn mean. He ended up killing him. And it's this like chess, right? You yeah. really do need to think, okay, Asriel's in range. He could, he could jump into that combat if Frankie pulls casualties in such a way where my guys won't be able to swing, but they will be able to pile into Asriel. Then they will be able to hit him because I did declare him. So this is where the complexity and the, the mastery of the game comes in is seeing the board position, seeing the table position, and being able to see those moves, yeah. and then thinking ahead and planning, and then executing on that. Because if I would have done that, you probably would not have heroically intervened with Azrael, because I would have swung first and maybe killed him. Yep. So that um, that illustrates how complex the game is, to your point. But you don't see it till you play a lot. Like it's not evident at first. It'll be evident on your tenth game when you start seeing these little nuances. Yeah, like when we first started playing, we didn't see any of this stuff. It was just like, oh, run forward, charge, all right, kill, 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 shoot, 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 shoot. All right, that was fun. But uh, now you see all the little movements and stuff. You're like, all right, I'm going to put these characters right here. I'm going to open this gap in these guys so that when you charge, I can heroically intervention. Or you go, I'm not going to base contact those guys so you can't get within three. And it's 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 really cool how it all plays out. So Yeah, and we will make a video. It's, uh, it'll talk about the nuance of, of Melee in 8th yeah. edition because it is very complicated. It's, it's, the rules are simple, but the interactions of the way things actually work are, are very complex. And for, if you want to play a melee army, you're going to need to master these skills. If you want to defend against a melee army, you also need to, to master these skills. Yeah. Like things like having your screen unit be 4.1 inches, the front of your screening model's base being 4.1 inches away from the unit behind you to prevent your opponent from killing them and then consolidating into the unit behind them. Little things like that. That's how you master eighth edition. That's yeah. how you're gonna. That's how you're gonna be able to consistently win games against an equally, uh, an equal, equally powerful army um, on a regular basis. And that yeah. that is what tournament players in in this game do. They master the nuance, and that that is how you get a leg up on the competition if you enjoy competitive play. Oh. So we got a bunch of events coming up this weekend. A bunch of ITC events. Now, if you're in chat, get ready to start answering your questions. We're gonna uh, go over the events, and then we'll pop over. We do have, uh, wow, like 20 events this yeah. weekend all over the world. Again, Canada, Hawaii. We've got New Jersey, Utah, all over. Where's my Australian friends at? It's crazy. Some of them are 8th edition tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Jeez, Louise. Well, I know Great Escape so. Games, um, not Great Escape Games, uh, Game Empire Pasadena are having a tournament this weekend. Yeah, there's there's actually quite a few game stores that are open like till tonight, midnight and yeah. stuff to have the release and have there's some that are having tournaments and stuff. So 
it's going to be pretty cool to see all those uh, scores coming in for Eighth Edition. So. Yeah, and it's I think it's exciting to see like we're doing like a midnight release like Magic style. Yeah. For forty k, yeah. and like I think that's just a really testament uh, to how awesome the change in Games Workshop has been. Like they're addressing us like like they're they're, they're respecting people's opinions. Mm-hmm. They're listening to their customer base. They're engaging us the way we want them to engage us. They're being funny. Uh, they've they've generated so much excitement. Yes. They're listening to people, generating FAQs. They want the game to be great, and they're I'm just so excited to be a hobbyist right now because of the way that they're doing this. Um, yeah, I mean they're doing a 24-hour stream tomorrow. Yeah. So I mean they're they're going gung ho and they're doing whatever they can to make it like the best edition ever. So yeah, it's great. And a lot of the questions that you guys have, the the erratas, the FAQs, all that stuff you guys have been sending to us. Thank you. We've been compiling all that data and we are going to talk to, to Games Workshop and then I would keep an eye on their webpage and I, I have a, a feeling that they're going to be taking all those questions seriously and that they're going to take steps to clarify some of the things that are unclear because they care so much about giving you guys and gals a good product. Yep. And I make sure to take a, take a moment out of your day to jump on their Facebook page and say thank you for everything because sure. they've been working their butts off to make this a great addition. And also we have a link in the video are on the show notes, please uh, take a chance. If you're interested to uh, click through that and check out um, these handsome and intelligent men <laughs> in this video. Mainly oh, intelligent, wait. mainly intelligent. Yeah. Not, not super handsome. I, I'll take the, some of the handsome uh, off your hands. I don't know, I think Mike's got all the handsomeness. Uh, but they have a lot of the playtest team in the video. Uh, obviously we're talking, we're in the video too. And uh, it was really cool that they did that. And yeah. they give us, they gave us some props and uh, put up the video. It's pretty funny. We're being interviewed by a space marine. Um, he, the space marine was actually there. It was pretty cool. He's right there in the video. Nice guy. <laughs> Very nice guy. He's a Primaris marine too, of course. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's pretty neat that they that they actually took the time to recognize the the hard work that um, in a fun way that yeah. that, that we because we did what we did was again it was just like a drop in the bucket compared to what they did. Oh yeah. But they took the time to acknowledge us. And, um, and give us props, and we really appreciate that. Oh yeah, it was such a great opportunity, and it's nice to get a little bit of a pat on the back. Yeah. Thanks for your help. Because so. we put a lot of hours into this project. Again, nothing compared to what they've done, no. but it, it was it was a big investment, so we really appreciate that. Um, and it was fun. It was, I, I still can't believe that we had a chance to have influence on the game that we love so much. It's like, I still can't believe how lucky we are to have that opportunity. Yeah, I know. It was just, it's like a dream come true, right? You yeah. have to have some influence on a game that you love. So it's like, oh, wow. This, yeah. This is amazing. So. It's like if you're like a huge football fan and the NFL was like, why don't you come help us like change some of the regulations for the next season? You'd be like, are you kidding? Like, Thank I, you. this <laughs> yes. is amazing. Because I've, I've been a fan of this game for over 20 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's insane. So at any rate, let's uh, jump in. We've talked enough about just kind of like news and general stuff. Let's answer some more questions from people in Twitch because I know that you guys have a ton of questions. Um, and it's funny, a lot of the questions are, when the rule says this, does it mean this? Yeah. Yes. But it, it's hard to unlearn seventh. It, yeah. it really is because sometimes I read something and you have the knowledge in your head of what it used to do and you just assume it's there, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Like BioVores, right. I've been playing a Barrage. They don't actually have that rule. Whoops. And I think that's an uh, oversight and we'll find out. Yeah. But I was like, I was just so used to them being barrage weapons. I just assumed that they were. And I kind of didn't read the, the data sheet close enough. 
right? And I've been shooting people from behind cover and someone on YouTube was like, hey dude, they don't have barrage. And I was like, oh, no, they don't. And it's not called barrage anymore. It's, no, no. it's they don't need line of sight to shoot is the way they word it now. But uh, why don't we get some questions? All right, Luna Mendex. Uh, Wolfguard Terminators look more powerful than Wolfen for me, but everybody says Wolfen are more competitive. Why? Uh, well, the Wolfen ability to give you an extra attack or uh, reroll charge is super powerful. And the Wolfen hit like trucks. And when they die, they get to swing. So it's the Wolfen are really powerful. Um, they're just they're different. Like, like yeah. the Terminator, like Frankie, you said all the things about Wolfen, and they're fast. Do they have like a seven inch move, if I remember correctly? I believe so, yeah. And, uh, but they only have a four of save, right? And uh, they don't have the, de the built-in delivery method that Terminators have. Terminators, really, the strength of them is that they can deep strike. Yeah. And uh, they're really resilient. I think Wolfguard Terminators are one of the better options for Terminators because they're cheap. I actually don't really like the Power Fist that much anymore. The minus one to hit, I know a lot of people online are like, minus one to hit's not that big of a deal. Ah, eh. It comes into play quite often. I miss all the damn time that, that minus one to hit. Like, my orc, uh, in a, we played a giant apocalypse game yesterday. It was Mariana and myself versus... Frankie and Brandon, the head of our paint studio. Um, and my, our war boss, Mariano and I's war boss, hit like twice because his minus one hit with BS2. I was like, one, two, 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 one. I was like, oh my gosh, damn you, minus one to hit. But isn't it funny, like going from back in the day when you'd swing like a power fist on like a space marine and you'd be hitting on, in most cases, on yeah, fours. fours anyway. So it's like yeah. the exact same yeah. thing. But now, like, with most things, or a lot of things sitting on threes, you're like, oh, four is good, yeah. Most characters sit on twos. Yeah. You couldn't hit on it. Only Karn could hit on a two and seven. Yep. We've gotten used to it so fast. Now I'm like, oh, he hits on a three? What a loser. <laughs> Who is this guy? Yeah. I know, it's so funny. Yeah. That is the way it is, but. But uh, Luna Mendex, both of them are solid choices. It just yeah. really depends on what kind of list you're taking. I uh, uh, I love the Wolfguard Terminators because you can take the power axe. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the money because they're cheap. And then you throw some, uh, like a combi belt on each guy. Um, you could go down and, and take down a knight or, or really take a big bite out of a knight. I think they're, they're both good choices. I don't think oh, yeah. either one's a bad no, choice. I totally agree. Uh, Archon 91, how does Drazer's aura interact with models that already have a 2 plus in close combat? Uh, and can troops inside an open top transport fire Overwatch along with the transport? Uh, the troops cannot fire Overwatch. Do you mind if I interrupt really yeah, quick? Yeah, go for it. Can you, why do you guys, like, I've been asked this like 10 times and I can't see anything in the rules. Is this just because you're used to 7th edition when you could? Is that why you're asking? Or is there something in the rules that makes you think you can? Because I looked, I don't see anything in the rules that gives you any possible indication that you can overwatch. Yeah, I think it's the the, uh, the way that they word it with like the uh, open top transports for Dark Eldar is when they disengage the way that it works. It's, it's really weird. So I, I could see where they're coming from, but... Um, yeah, you don't get Overwatch unless there is some special rule that uh, you guys are seeing that yeah. we missed. Yep, yeah, like no, yeah. and I'm I'm not asking that to be like like yeah. you're dumb. Like please point it out if 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 there's language that is making you think you can. Yeah, can you e email it to me at contact at frontlinegaming.org because we can fix it or we can we don't fix it. We can help maybe fix it. Yeah, because. Uh, you're not charging the guys that are inside. Yeah, you you're charging swing the at them. vehicle. Um, and then uh, Drazer's aura, uh, the only way that it would take effect on somebody that already hits on a 2+, plus is if you had like a minus one to hit. Then it would still cancel hit it out. On a two plus. Yeah. So you can't modify a die roll better than um, uh, a one, right? So I know that does, that's not explicitly written in, in the rules, um, but that, that is the way that it works because a lot of people are saying when you have a plasma gun, and you have a, a, a minus one to hit, and you roll a one, does it go to a zero? No, you cannot roll, you can roll above a six, 
you know, and I say this with modifiers, but you cannot roll below a one with modifiers. So with a plasma cannon, let's just say you had a plasma cannon shooting at a flyer and you moved, you'd be minus two to hit. You would actually overheat and die on a roll of a one, a two, or a three. Yep. But it doesn't go to like negative one or something like that. Uh, the one, one is the, is the, the, is the uh, floor, but there's an infinite number that you can go up. And so in reverse, and we've explained this before, but it bears repeating. So I know it's, if you play Age of Sigmar, you're used to it. If you don't, you're not. Um, Necrons, uh, Tesla weapons, on a six plus, you'll notice on the stat, it says six plus. If you roll a six plus, you get three hits for every one on a Tesla. Um, with the character, it's the Overlord gives you plus one to hit. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so the Overlord gives you plus one to hit. Now you're getting it on a roll of a five or a six because the five goes to a six, the six goes to a seven, six plus. Now you're getting twice as many uh, exploding six results because of the modified die roll. Yep, and the same thing goes for like uh, demonettes and anything like that. That get the six plus rule. Uh, anytime you roll a five or a six with a modifier, it goes up to a six or a seven. So yeah, and uh, to to talk about one of the other things that's been confusing people with modifiers and rerolls, we talked about it on the stream last night, but I think it, it bears repeating. So you you apply rerolls before modifiers, and it, it is a little, it feels a little unnatural at first in certain circumstances. But I actually had a chance to kind of get the, like more explanation as to the logic. And it does make perfect sense, actually, once you understand like some of the um, reasons for it. So Space Marines especially, um, in Chaos with Abaddon, get uh, auras of reroll everything. Not very many armies actually get that, but a lot of people play these armies, so that's really common. So you have an instance where, let's say you have a Space Marine captain um, or, or a space marine with a power fist, right? It's minus one to hit. And he's standing next to a chapter master that gives him rerolls to hit. So you do rerolls before modifiers. Now, it feels a little unnatural, but the way that it works is let's say your space marine has three attacks and he rolls a, a one, a three, and a four, right? So since you haven't applied the negative one to hit yet from your power fist, the one would miss, the three is hitting right now. And then the four or the five, whatever the hell I said, hits. So then you only re-roll the one. Even though we know the three is going to miss when you apply the minus one, you haven't missed yet. I know it seems a little weird. Uh, you re-roll the one, let's say that it rolls a three also. Now you apply the negative one to hit from the power fist and the threes become fours. Um, or the, I'm sorry, the threes become twos and you miss. Seems a little strange, Right. It's, it's even hard to explain it. It goes the other way, too. So if you normally hit on threes and you have plus one to hit and you're re-rolling, any twos you actually have to re-roll. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's, it's really weird the way that it works. But, but the reason why, and this does make sense, is let's say that you were getting debuffed with a minus one to hit, but you had to re-roll one to hit aura, which are extremely, almost every army in the game has these, right? These are everywhere. A, a, a negative modifier would actually buff you because now you're re-rolling ones and twos as opposed to only re-rolling ones. So something that's supposed to be hurting you is actually helping you, right? And when you look at it from that perspective, it makes total sense because when you re-roll everything, it's still really good and it's still only a positive, right? Like you're still re-rolling. You're not re-rolling everything that you would probably intuitively assume that you do. Yeah. But when you have a reroll one aura, which is extremely prevalent in the game, negative modifiers aren't actually benefiting you, which makes sense. Yep. It, it, when you look at it from that perspective, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I totally get it. 
it's just out the gate, it feels a little weird. And I think a lot of people are going to get trip on that one. Uh, let's see. Is this legal? Charged unit fights first player. Stratagem interrupts unit fights second player. Enemy slash unit fights second player. Second charged unit fights first player. That sounds like a, a logical progression because when you use the stratagem to interrupt, that like takes precedent. It's like after the first combat, okay, I'm burning my two CP, I'm going. And then uh, the way that it works with Slanesh with Quicksilver Swiftness is it does not override charges. You alternate with charges. So it's still really, really, really good. Yeah, but I think it would go first player, second player, first player, and then second player again with the Quicksilver. Got it. Rather than the interrupt and then Quicksilver. I think the interrupt would go right after, because that's the most specific rule. So the first combat happens. So, so what he's asking is the first guy that charges, right? So he has two units that charge. And then one's, uh, one of the units that he charges is a Slanesh unit and then like a Corn Berserker unit. Right. So his first player one swings on the Berserker unit. Then he interrupts the Berserker unit swings. And then he's asking, does the Slanesh go unit go oh, next? Oh, got you, got you, got you, got you. I think it's the other charging unit because then you alternate. So, you know, that, that's a good one to bring yeah. up. Yeah. It only applies to Quicksilver Swiftness. So it's a pretty specific question, but it's definitely worth clarifying. Because, yep. yeah, who would then get well, the third activation? Yeah, it comes into that, and I think Sicarius used Right, because he does it with so. Tactical Marines, yeah. Yep. I, my instinct off the cuff on that would be that you then resume normal, oper normal order. Yeah. So we go player one, player two, and then and player, player two again. Because that would be the next in order of operations. That would, that's the way I would read it, but we'll, we'll, we'll definitely address it. Tag 8833. Uh, there are many units that have contradiction on their point sheets for unit size. For uh, example, Org Knob says 5 to 10 in their data sheet, but 3 to 10 on the points. Um, anytime you see that, email me, please. And that's for that's a good one for a Narada. Yep. Um, yep. But if, uh, if I was a betting man, I'd probably lean more towards the 5 to 10, because that's what we've been seeing with units like the Knobs, like Terminators and stuff like that. Uh, Lord because Draconis. only Meganobs can be taken in units of three, usually. I believe so. Um, um, you seem to favor scouts over tactical marines. Do you really think the two-point difference makes the scouts better? It's not the points. It's not the points that's the difference. It's the flexibility of the scouts. Scouts can infiltrate, and that, as you guys play the game a lot, you'll learn that infiltrate is the best counter tactic for deep striking. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you go first or if you go second. If you're playing a, like a Scion army, and then you deploy your scouts in a defensive perimeter... All their deep strikers, all they can do is shoot the scouts. Yep. And now the two-point difference, it's like saving you money or saving you points on the tactical marines. And then offensively, they're just as good as tactical marines. Maestrosk. Uh, uh, am I looking at him? I'm looking at investing in a fo melee-focused Imperium army. What are you guys' general feelings on Grey Knights? Looking for a tanky melee-focused army. Well, they're not a tanky army. No, they're... Unless they're, you go all paladins. They're like marines. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Grey Knights are extremely good. You can put them in drop pods. They're super good. Um, put them in rhinos. Uh, Grey do Knights they, are definitely strong. drop pods? I don't think I do. I believe so. We'll double-check on that. Yeah. I can't remember. We'll, we'll, we'll be yeah, playing them tonight. Check it out. Yeah. They, they are not a tanky army at all. Paladins are really tough, but there's a lot of things that can one-shot them in the game so it's they're like like they're good against small arms fire but that's that's it um gray knights are low model count like finesse army yeah um you, you're uh oh hey fellow cob just subscribe to twitch prime thank you so much Ooh, man really really appreciate it but uh, uh gray knights you have to like that's a skill in my opinion that's a thinking man's army yeah 
Um, it's, I would say it's not even a very forgiving army. So it's not tanky. If you want to, and I'm not trying to discourage anybody from playing them. They're awesome. Uh, but their damage outputs bananas. They just don't really take a punch, in my opinion, super well. What, what would you think is an Imperial army that can take a hit that is good in melee? I would immediately think of Space Wolves. I would think of Blood Angels. Yeah. Because they have, uh, yeah, I'd say Blood Angels. Because I would say with Blood Angels, they don't really take a hit better than anybody. They just have a lot of dudes. Yeah. Like, if you play Blood Angels the way that, that we have played them, uh, it's a lot of guys with uh, core buff, like some buffing characters. So your, your, your dudes are no more resilient than normal, but you have a lot of them. And they can go to banana, like, you can get a Death Company Marine with a power sword up to five attacks. Yeah. It, he'll, monsters. They just monsters. They just wreck people. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of, I saw online, or on a comment section of our blog, some people were lamenting that they didn't think Blood Angels were a good melee army compared to like um, some of the other melee armies in the game and I was like you clearly haven't played yet or if you have you haven't done the combos with the characters because we actually were worried that Blood Angels were OP yeah Blood Angels with all the character buffs are extremely powerful so um, yeah. yeah they're they're a really good close combat army um, how does charging work when a unit on the ground charges a unit in a building on a different level? That's going to be addressed in, uh, I would imagine that's going to be addressed really relatively quickly by Games Workshop. Um, and if it is not for whatever reason, we will give you an answer for the Bay Area Open. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would assume that GW is going to give that. So I'll give you an example of a way that it is very simple. With infantry units, right? If infantry units charging an infantry unit in a, a terrain piece, you measure in, in three dimensions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the, enough people have asked that question that we should definitely clarify. Uh, Shogun William Ka foot belts. How do they work? Movement. Uh, can you just what is this? Magnets. How do they work? <laughs> yeah. Can uh, you just uh, be on? on top of a terrain like using fly, or do you have to walk up and go ninety degrees? How do you measure it? Um, you you measure it in three dimensions, guys. So. The only time that you ignore the third dimension is like if you're a flying unit. I'm using my hands for those of you listening on iTunes. Let's say there's like a 10-inch tall building, whatever, and you have jump units, and then they have enough distance to go start on one side of the building and finish on the other. You ignore the building for the purposes of movement. You just move in a two-dimensional line. Yeah. Same with flip belts. Do the exact same thing. If you have a six-inch movement and there's a 10-inch building, can you end on top of the building? No, you cannot. You measure in three dimensions. Um, and that may not be clear enough in the movement rules. Yep. Uh, should I put shuriken cannons or haywire cannons on my sky weavers? Uh, I would go shuriken cannons. Yeah, I think they're in general purpose they're better. Yeah, um, I think they're a little stronger. But if, it depends. If you're playing a meta where everyone's mechanized, yeah, go haywire. But general purpose, I go shuriken cannons. Yep. Uh, thank you very much for the kind words, Nova Star. Lord Draconis, with the power of Gaiman, where we see a whole lot of different. Color Ultramarines, yeah. Probably. I mean, Ultramarines are going to jump out as uh, probably, in most people's opinions, probably going to be the best. I think what you'll see, though, is like uh, Robuti out the gates. That's Everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, uh, it's crazy. And then as you as you play more and more and more, um, I think you actually will see less pe more people moving away from him because he's so expensive. Yeah. Because you can get a similar effect with cheaper guy. Like, you can take a lieutenant and a captain and get damn near the same result for a lot less points. Um, but yeah, you're going to see, I think Ultramarines are going to be the white scars of, uh, early eighth edition. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, 
Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I mean, Guillemin is a monster by himself. So, but then you've got other gyms in there too. You've got uh, Sicarius, yeah, who's amazing. Um, they, they've just got incredibly up Chronos that makes a land raider just insane. You, you've got the Ultramarines have, I think, the best tools out the gates. But really, the other armies are really good too. Like a, a list that I think will catch on in time: Pedro Cantor's Sternguard list. The, the stock standard Sternguard for how many points he costs is amazingly good. Oh, yeah. Two, very powerful. two attacks and an AP2 bolter for a very not very many points more than a normal Space Marine is insane. And if you took an army of them with Cantor, who gives them all plus one attack and rerolls to hit, good night. Not like, bad. You're going to tear people up. Just with just, you could just use basic Space Marines. Yeah. And, and you don't even need to mechanize them if you want. I mean, put them in Rhinos, but you just walk up the dang table and you will wreck people. Fall on. Yeah, um, and I've, I've been hearing a lot of people uh, having a lot of really, really good success with Black Templars. Oh, yeah, yeah, Black Templars are really strong, too. I mean, I, th I think there's a lot of options in there. I just think Ultramarines are going to jump out as, like, yeah. the go-to. And I think that they're going to stay, they're probably going to be considered the most powerful chapter, or, um, yeah, chapter of Space Marines. I, that, I believe that that would be the perception, yeah. generally speaking. But I think that the canny player can make any of them work really well. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Roxon, how will factions be calculated for the ITC? Um, what we're going to do is, and then the BCP guys are working their butts off to get this all set into place. Um, what we're going to do is the, the majority, your largest attachment, the most specific faction keyword shared by every model in that detachment will be what your faction is for the ITC. And we're gonna be using the factions as presented in the BRB. Uh, GW defined it really clearly for us, what everything is. Um, so that, that and I'll, I'm gonna have a doc ready to go that's gonna explain how this works very specifically. Uh, Cause it's a lot different now. Uh, great grandpappy. Uh, do you think the battle wagon can work without a death roller? He doesn't have the upgrade sphere and he likes the ram. Um, Sure. I mean, I would recommend yeah. getting the Battle Wagon uh, it makes, Death Roller. <laughs> it makes him a melee monster. Yeah, he's pretty good in close combat. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. But if you don't have it, it's yeah. not like you have to take it. I mean, one of the best ways to run the Battle Wagon is to stick it in the back with the 15 Lutas inside of it. And then if you want to save points, don't put it on there. And just they just sit there and shoot. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's such a good upgrade for a reasonable amount of points. I can't imagine not taking it. I mean, it turns the battle wagon into like, he's better in melee than some characters. Yeah. It's it's funny, actually. Uh, Air Viking, why is the Castellan robot so cheap? Uh, they're too good for their double DACA. Well, the thing, okay, the double DACA setup, I actually think it's a bit of a red herring. I think double fist is better. Um, you can't do the double DACA on the first turn, first of all. They have to change their protocols, and then it kicks in on the next turn. Two, all you have to do is touch those guys in combat, and they are out of the game. Like, we go watch the VOD where we played uh, Pascal and myself. He shot one, he did double shot one time. Yeah, or even like the list that you took last night with some warp talents. You charge them and they're gone for yep. the whole game. And if, then you just put those points into a unit that didn't do anything. Like, there's going to be a lot of these units that'll be able to charge on turn one. Like a Heldrake could charge you on turn one easily. And now your unit's out of the game for the whole game. Yeah, because so, those guys are garbage in combat. Yeah. That's why the double fist, that's the way Frankie runs them. Way scarier to me because you do double combat and <laughs> yeah, kill a knight. Awesome. The robots are extremely good. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't. I think like we said, the double daka is kind of a red herring. Like, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, it's really good. Yeah, it's extremely good. But there's there's so many things in the game to put out firepower like that. 
um, a lot, it's I am laughing to death on the inside. People are like, Centurions are bad now. And I'm like, clearly I've not played. Clearly. Centurions are bananas. I think we had the same reaction when we first saw them, though. We were like, as soon as you put them on the table, you were like, like, oh "Oh." my goodness. Centurions are, like, like for example, in a shootout with the Centurions and the the robots, the Centurions will blow those guys off the table because they can move and shoot, no penalty. They ignore cover. You have an apothecary behind them, bringing them back to life. And the the last cannon missile launcher setup, absolutely. Centurions will take a dump. It's, oh my goodness, it is so powerful. And the heavy bolter, hurricane bolter setup. You're like, oh, you've got a you've got a screening unit. <laughs> nope, no, you don't anymore. Um, and I'm not trying to put it down. That, that the robots are they're going to jump out as one of the premier units in the game. But there's so many ways to counter them. Uh, charge a unit next to them, consolidate one guy into them, touch them. They're stuck. Like they they can't do anything. Yeah. Um, you really take them out of play pretty pretty quickly. Uh, Midgard Swarm. Uh, if one would rate the average spectrum of viable options, how much a factor will Ford roll be? Um, I don't understand your question. If one were to rate the average spectrum of viable options. Oh, so I think I guess what does for that mean? every army. So I guess options for every army in the Forge World stuff that's coming, how viable is everything for each army? Oh, so, um, well, I, think, I think you'll have a few units that are really good for each army, yep. just like currently. For, you know what? We, we can't really talk about the Forge World stuff too much yet because the books aren't out yet. Uh, but we will. I know everyone's dying to know. We will definitely talk about it. Um, uh, Lock Infinity, happy to hear that 8th is getting you excited and you're going to play in some more tournaments. That's really exciting. Hey, that's great. It's great to see people coming back. Yeah. Well, the, the beauty of 8th edition, in my opinion, is that you can play each faction so many different ways. Really, your imagination is the limit. Like we were talking about one of our painters hasn't played since 5th. Um, he just threw together, uh, uh, literally picked the models he liked, Chaos Demon Engine, Units, yeah, like Mauler Fiends, Forge Fiends, Defiler, Soul Grinder, Hellbrute, um, the, the um, Warpsmith. Threw those models on the table, found Great a couple fun combos, yeah. and then he was kicking butt and having a great... He's like super ecstatic. He picked the models he liked, put them on the table, found some good combos, and was... Loved fun. it. That's great. Uh, Axentar99. What do you think is the best screening unit in a Yanari army? Can take you have a lot of options with Yanari. Yeah, um, I would say probably Dark Eldar or Beast Packs. <laughs> razor Wings. They're pretty good. That was a that was a goof. They're pretty good. The Razor Wings, yeah, I mean like they they are they're really really good screen unit. Uh, Guardians are good. Uh, I actually tried screening with uh, Wraith Blades with a four plus plus and putting Fortune on them. Uh, were great. Yeah. They took they took a double Berserker and Karn and they bounced off them. Yep. So um, you you have a lot of options for Yanari. Yanari is extremely extremely good uh aether when a vehicle dies do you place the models first and then remove the tank or remove the tank yep. then place models yep it says so that, it on the on the vehicle data sheet yes. that's where it explains the order of operations so the tank explodes then you place the models then you remove the tank yeah so it's, it is kind of strange the way yep. it works but yeah you disembark before you remove the model but the model if it you roll a six and it explodes that happens before the models get put down yeah uh, Air Viking, do you think GW forgot to put character keyword on the burning chariot? Uh, oh, I hope they. Example of Zinch in a chariot is a character, but not an exalted flamer in a chariot. Why? Well, the exalted um, flamer is straight up broken, so uh, yeah. we don't need another unit. <laughs> but what they did with a lot of the characters that are on vehicles and stuff like that, like uh, Logan Grimnar on his chariot, or like the Necron Overlord on a um, 
uh, command barge is they lose the character keyword, so you can actually target them. Yeah. Because um, otherwise you'd have a vehicle flying around that you can't even shoot. So yeah. it gets really weird with units like a Bjorn or something like that who has like a last cannon just blasting me. Yeah, well, I mean, Bjorn is a character. He can yeah. hide, but that's kind of the exception to the rule. Like Frankie said, the rule yeah. is that they are not. Like Catacomb Command Barge is not a character, even though it's a it's a, a dude or on the... On the thing, and then the exalted flamer for for you demon players who might be struggling, just go read that guy's profile. Ooh, exalted flamers are really good. So powerful, um, and the exalted flamer is not. They, they, yeah, uh, or chariot. Excuse me. Stoic north one. So is a one always a fail regardless of modifiers? Uh, yes. No, I mean if for, you get for, plus one to hit. Uh, one, no, no, the unmodified one always misses. Period. Gotcha. On the yeah, to hit roll. So it gets really. This is another one that's a little weird, but it makes sense when you explain it. Uh, let's say you have a plasma gun with plus one to hit. Uh, you roll a one, you miss, but you don't overheat because it modifies to a two. Yeah. The natural roll of a one misses, period, but you still apply modifiers. So um, it, it just takes some getting used to. Yeah. Uh, Arco, so call will allow you to reroll the misses even with modifiers. I know that's worded a little strange. I don't think that was intent. Um, I'm like 99% certain that wasn't intent because the way it was worded in his thing, it should just be copy paste every time somebody has that rule. But that will be, um, that information will be put in front of Games Workshop and they will tell us whether they think, whether they meant that to be the case or not. I would guess not, Yeah. because uh, nobody else gets that. Uh, Requisin, uh, have you found a use for flayed ones? 21 points for model is that C4, it? wound one, four plus is really, really expensive. Uh, flayed they ones are, so are amazing. amazing. They have four attacks base. Shred. They have shred. They come they, back. Uh, deep strike. They come back to life. Like flayed ones are really good. Flay, really the flayed good. ones are one of the gems in that book. Yeah, I mean, especially with characters support, like you can make them hitting on twos, and you can give them five attacks. Yeah. Like they are monsters. Flayed ones are extremely. good. They are amazingly, amazingly good. And remember, guys, when you deep strike now. You come in and whatever perform it, you could string them across the whole damn table. Yeah. Like you just have to stay nine inches away from enemy models. So you could deep strike and conga line like the tail, the kite tail from the unit back into range of uh, buffing characters and still charge someone on the other end of the table and still get all the buffs. Um, yeah, flayed ones are, I fear flayed ones when I play against Necrons. Yeah, they're they're ones are stupid good. good. Um, let me see. Do we have any other questions? Uh, Requisin. You can declare charges on targets you can't reach. For instance, a character behind a unit, but still within 12. Is this correct? Yeah. As long as you're within yeah. 12 inches, you can declare a charge on somebody. Yeah. Um, even it, if it you is. can't possibly reach them. Well, the thing is, like we explained earlier in the show, like if you know a character's going to heroically intervene, that gives you the ability to like fight back against them without them hitting you, not being able to get hit back, which would be weird. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that one is, again, there's, there's some of these rules interactions that you have to just get used to. Every edition has weird rules interactions, but some of them you just take for granted. Um, I have a 1k point battle tomorrow and I am playing Necrons. Are there any units that you feel should be an auto include for any Necron list? You need things to bust open vehicles. Yeah. Destroyers are your friend. Destroyers are monsters. <laughs> Throw a heavy destroyer in there. They're really good. Yeah. Really good. Um, Scout screen and snipe our characters. Yeah, scout screens are amazing. Uh, uh, reading a question. Uh, if I use Karn and have two units in front of me, one at nine inches, one at 12, I declare a charge at both of them, but only get nine. 
If I kill that unit in my first fight phase, can I consolidate and attack into the second unit even if I didn't? Yeah, yes, you can. Because you declared them as a target for your charge. They got to overwatch you. And then, because Karn gets to fight twice, this only, this only applies to units that have this mechanic where they can pile in and fight twice. So yeah, you go into the first unit, you kill him as Karn does. He then piles into the unit behind him and it then kills them too because he did declare them as a charge. He did take their overwatch. That is a legal move. Yep. Uh, Anakers88 saying the Hive Guard data slate says uh, it's a unit of three and then you can buy three more, but then their points say one to three. So e Please, please uh, guys, email me those inconsistencies. Yeah. And we will be happy to send that information up the food chain and we'll hopefully get an answer. So we can work together to fix some of these. Looks like there's another one. Yeah, uh, just, just email all those in, guys. Yeah, contact at frontlinegaming.org. OJ David Bush, just subscribe with Twitch Prime. Thank you very Ooh. much. You're the man. And then we'll answer two more questions and then we'll wrap it up for today. I got our local IG player to go on a shopping spree with Tempesta Scions after listening to your epic long stream. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, guys, friendly advice. Um, the, the really cheesy internet build right now is maxed out command squads. I would give that a second thought before investing time and energy into that. Um, just as some friendly feedback from your friends here at Frontline Gaming. Uh, Adro, welcome. He's from Spain. Hey. <laughs> I hope you're doing, having a good day over there in Spain. It's uh, going to be pretty late. And Fois One. Have you had a chance to play White Scars in the new edition? Yes, of course, of course we have. And they do great. Yeah, White they Scars are excellent. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Signals from the Frontline. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, as always, thank you to those of you who chose to subscribe. Really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to take that money, and we're either going to get um, uh, a fiber optic connection. We hit our goal. Yeah. Or we're going to get a new stream machine. We, we haven't decided which one is going to give us the best results so uh, all that money that uh, uh that you send our way is going to making the show better so we really appreciate it yep thanks guys bye